I'm Alison Sampson, and this is who I am. guest today is the architect, artist, and northerner, Alison Sampson. Hi, Alison. Hi. <laughs> um, and thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for, for doing this. Um, one thing that we need to do, which you kind of touched on before I start recording, but as two British people talking, we have to discuss the weather. So um, how are things going in, in the brighter borough where you are? <laughs> It's it's always sunny here. <laughs> it's actually always. raining in uh, Los Angeles at the moment. So we swapped weather then, haven't we? I feel jeered. It was it was almost too sunny to go in the garden today. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't get to do that because because comics. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the thing. We never get to go outside, even when it's nice. Yeah, you you tend to have to work uh, every hour of the day, pretty much. That's true. That's true. Or, or in my case, I went to the hairdresser today. So oh, you did, you and know. you got blue hair. I got blue. I got blue hair. Um, but like, this doesn't happen often. I sort of, and, and I got I got back to an email from my editor as well. So clearly, you know, <laughs> can't, can't leave too much. Yeah, but he could sense you were going, or they could sense you you were going too far, straying too far from your pencil. I think so. How's it? You know, so you have to check how I would. Do. She's really, she's really, really, really great. And it wasn't a chasey email, but I did get one when I got back. <laughs> so you're working on Hit Girl at the moment. That's true. Hit Girl, Hit Girl No Man's Land. Mm-hmm. It is. So it's not actually called Hit So the No Man's Land is a bit of a clue. Um, and it's written by Milling. And it's coming out sometime next year. And that's all I know pretty much. Okay. I don't know any dates or um, a great deal about it. To be honest. I mean, I know, I'm draw- I know what's in it and I know I'm drawing it, but <laughs> I don't know anything about like the, the outcome at all. Right. And you broke up, sorry, you, you said the writer was... Um... Peter Milligan. Peter Milligan. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Peter Milligan writing Millerwell stuff is... Interesting. <laughs> uh, how long have you been a comic artist now? Um, not really very long. Um, I drew my first comic in 2011, mm-hmm. which was a four-page mm-hmm. comic. It wasn't much of a comic. And then um, I drew, in the couple of years after that, I drew a, a fairly short graphic novel and made that. And it was, a, it was um, what's the word? A whole intro, an introduction, shall we say? <laughs> uh, I was going to use the word baptism of fire, but introduction is a better word to everything to do with putting together a graphic novel and putting it out. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then I sort of did some bits and pieces. And we were from that point, from the point I finished drawing that, we were actually heading into Winnebago Graveyard, which came out quite recently, and about six months ago, and. Um, that took absolutely ages to do, not because of me drawing it, but because of um, the facts 
around the business facts around graphic novels. Right. You know, you have to finance them and you have to get them contracted and all of that. And none of that is much to do with drawings. But I think when people do gra- do create their own work and it's kind of potentially quite expensive create their own work, like like image books are, mm-hmm. or lots of mm-hmm. lots of graphic novels are, then um, sometimes the hard part is not the drawing. <laughs> is everything you've done been through image so far? Uh, large, largely, not all. I've, I've done work for Marvel. I actually got a role to check for Marvel today, in fact, which oh, nice. was extremely mm-hmm. exciting. Oh, yeah. um, oh, that was the Jessica Jones unexpected. stuff, right? That's just Jessica Jones is still paying royalties, which is very surprising um, and has done very well for me. And um, despite only being very short and um, I've, I've worked on work for DC. I've worked Dark I've done did creepy for Dark Horse. I do things with IDW, does covers Boo, a cut note, one cover for Boo, let's mm-hmm. be truthful. Uh, they said they'd have me back and I've never been back. <laughs> why not and um and i've done a whole bunch of things for image and this current project is at least my fifth project for image i'm not i'm sort of i'm not a great track keeper mm. of these things but i think this is number five maybe number six mm-hmm. and um that's what done and i've I do, I mean, I do some, so basically, although I'm not working as an architect right now, I mean, I you can't do architecture and do this at the same time. It's just they're both full-time jobs. Um, so it's like I've been doing illustration and other stuff because you've you've got to kind of back it up financially. Mm-hmm. And you 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 just mentioned architecture. You now you started as an architect, is that right? Or yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, went from school and studied art. I mean, the first um, architecture training was um, in a drawing office, which was a really, really good start. Uh, and uh, um, I had to set up the perspectives for them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm just checking. Oh, you're still there. Sorry, I've lost I am, camera. yeah. It's, and, um, yeah, set up perspectives, <laughs> and I did some drafting for them. I used to clean up and draw all this kind of stuff. And um, I went to university and studied that. And then I left, and I was just a very typical route of things at the time to get a job in the West End and a flat share. And it was all tremendous. I was... I, I was, um, what's the word? There was a really serious recession on, and I, for some reason, I was enough to get a job while I was still at college mm-hmm. before the recession really hit. So when I left college, I actually got a job. I was one of the very few people took through that year. And then I went to London University and did two years there. And then I finished it, and a couple of years later, I qualified. I qualified in the mid 90s and then from the mid 90s to 2012 I was an architect doing um, large scale public buildings and um, all sorts of stuff loads of, loads of quite a big thing um, most of most of which won awards mm. this is this is kind of quite weird me at this point because like I'm for my career 
and I got made redundant. And in my early in my early forties, you know, for a woman to get made redundant. Um, what happened was somebody rang up and said, "Will you draw my graphic novel?" I was like, "Yeah," and I did. <laughs> and it. And here we are. Um, and and I thought about that. And I looked at this. You know, when will you get asked again? And it's quite likely you really wouldn't. I mean, I, I got asked to draw a graphic novel on the page on the basis of four pages of comics. Mm-hmm. You know, and I still think that. But if it's going to architecture now, today, probably that would be it. You know, so you've got to get your foot down really hard and what you're doing. And you can't kind of go back to a job and go, you know, this and this and this and that, because you, you're toast. If, if you do that, you won't, you won't get a job. Mm-hmm. So um, either one thing or the other, and at the moment, it's growing Hit Girl. And then after Hit Girl, um, there's some quite interesting possibilities coming up, mm-hmm. which are comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't kind of talk about because I'm not entirely sure which one's going to come first but there is a really there is a really exciting one which is being written by an artist mm. and to work work with an art and this is this is no ordinary artist and to work with an artist who is being a writer who knows how to push the envelope it's I haven't seen the script I haven't seen the script yet I've seen the synopsis but I know they've changed it um, and that would be with image, and it would be interesting. Mm. Is the word? Mm. I, I don't actually. Um, we'll put it like this. I mean, I asked I asked him if he would give me a lot of stuff to design, and he he said that was fine, and he would, and he apparently has. Um, but that's all I can say. <laughs> um, when you were at college and when you were doing architecture, were, were you, uh, I, I gather you were a reader of comics and you were a fan of comics. And- no, well, yes and no. I read them as a, t- I read 2000, like everybody in the UK, including probably yourself. <laughs> yes. I read 2000 AD mm-hmm. from probably pretty much when it started. And I was about seven mm-hmm. and my older brother got it. And as, as we all know, everybody had it then. And I read it too. And I read it until I was about finished my A-levels and I went to university and because I was doing architecture at Cambridge, it was really, um, it was a whole other thing um, art-wise where, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I think a, a way of putting it was I was introduced to the fine arts and mm-hmm. that was what you were expected to look at and art history and a whole range of things that were not comics. In fact, nearly everything was not comics. Mm. And, um, I think I won't say they frowned on comics, but I think it was felt that it wasn't art in anything that same way, which it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, you know, architecture is a bit like what I just said, which is if you're going to do the architecture, you've got to go all. And if you're going to Cambridge to study that, you you have to kind of go in with it. Mm-hmm. So I did, and unfortunately, that meant that I missed out on all the exciting things that were happening in comics in the 90s in the UK entirely. I, I just, just left comics just when it was getting good. 
and um, Rocket Hill. One day on the train, I was reading a film magazine. I was commuting up to Winchester, which is a long way, and I was reading a film magazine, and it said they were going to make a film of the, of the comic Watchmen. Hmm. I thought this is interesting. I'll I'll get I'll get this I'll get this book. And I thought it's I didn't think it was a comic. I thought it book. So I'll get this book, and I did, and I read it. And this is interesting. Um, you know, this is not quite what I expected. And I think that was the first graphic novel I'd looked at ever. Mm. And um, I mean, I'd seen things like Fungus the Bogeyman when I was little, but I, th- I thought of them as illustrated children's books. And I don't think a lot of people think of that as a comic, even though it is really. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of 1970s children's publications actually were comics, or they weren't called that. And um, so, so I got the Watchmen. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And um, what else is there? So I didn't know how to buy comics, and I didn't. Bearing in mind, I live in London. London's got like 10 million people and apparently only three, no, four comic shops. And, that, <laughs> and I'm so it's kind of like I have no idea where they were yeah. or that they actually, I could actually go in there and they might have something. And they were really quite well hidden. And so I, the first, when I first got comics, I imported them from Holland. Mm. Uh, I, found, I found an internet comic retailer in... Um, Holland called um, Exclame and the, the really really good shop and they distribute they also did distribution as well and I imported a whole range of quite interesting things from them and I got things like Negative Burn which was a really great a, a really lucky a lucky landing yeah. actually yep, Negative Burn that was probably about the best thing I could have put my hand on at that moment and um, and that was just because of the, the the shop that there was and it was as I say, this internet retailer and they could get everything they wanted in the world to sell. And so they were doing a whole load of extra distribution, which was non-diamond. And so it was quite, it was quite good. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I did, I did some kind of reading of that. It took quite a while for me to figure out, to figure out that Marvel comics were, were, it, they were completely, completely incomprehensible to me. That that what people say now about the numbering, I was like, I have. I understand that people are bringing them out regularly, and therefore, if I start, I can kind of continue. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't understand, you know, the storylines. How you get a comic, and you get another comic, and sometimes they reprint one comic and another comic, and you're like, "This is really expensive." <laughs> that was an expensive mistake I just made, buying this wrong thing, and so I, I went on with that a bit. But I never really subscribed to it very much because I was completely. Um, lost, mm-hmm. and and I never took to DC at all for that reason. They were doing the sort of blackest night stuff, and I couldn't look. I couldn't read it at all, and I still never quite got in my mind the continuity. Really unfriendly, mm-hmm. and. And then gradually getting a bit more aware of what else was going on. And I'm just looking at my shelves now and still really, I still don't have a great deal of manga on my shelves, mm-hmm. but I have some. And 
and probably, you know, my taste probably sat round. It's probably probably very typical vertigo reader, I guess. Right. Hmm. A whole bunch of vertigo stuff. And uh, if it was still available now, which it's not really, then I would probably still be buying it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's just like vertigo, like what I came to. Maybe Hit Girl is. I mean, it's Peter Milligan again. And <laughs> maybe, maybe this is. Maybe I've kind of found my spot. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, uh, books like Fungus the Bogeyman and um, what was the other book that Raymond Briggs did, When the Wind Blows and, and those kind of, uh, I, I don't even know if they, they weren't like Euro style graphic novels or comics. but No, no, really British. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think they kind of led naturally into, into Vertigo because there was such a... a no, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed reading them mm-hmm. and... They they informed me creatively enormously, um, and I was very. I think what well, everybody was enormously upset by where the wind blows. I got it at a really uh, particular time. I think it came out. When did it come out? About 1983. Yeah, that's 84. Right. Yeah. Or was it sooner? I had it when I was quite. I had it round about that when I was about 13, mm-hmm. and I, it, I was old enough to be really upset by it because I was always ter- I was very sciencey kid. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified of dying in a nuclear war. Uh, and I really believed it was going to happen as well. Mm-hmm. And I even, to the point where I, um, you know, I had a pack suitcase ready to go in case yeah. the bomb came. Because we lived, we lived um, a few miles away from the, from Filingdales, which is the four minute warning. And I thought you can't do a lot in four minutes. <laughs> so I'll have it's very efficient. And, but yeah, it was completely influenced by the fact that I thought I was going to die imminently. And um, so, so yeah, they, they influenced me creatively, like um, even though I was kind of a sciencey kid and I nearly was going to study sciences at university, I still did um, artwork and stuff. And I was the art director for my school magazine and I did, um, what's the word, um, uh, graphic design and advertising right through university where I, you know, I did posters for... All, all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. stuff which you could do and um but it, it didn't touch the architecture and that sort of didn't touch each other it was like one of them was a kind of fun setting and the other one was like really really serious <laughs> and um i didn't connect I didn't connect them and it took a long time for me to think actually maybe these things are the same thing mm-hmm. like a really long time and um yeah but, but yeah, not, now you mention it, things like things like Raymond Briggs. Yeah, it absolutely does lead into vertigo. But I think that's a taste thing. I think that's just my taste. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's um, you know, and it's a pop, it's a popular, it's a popular taste. It's slightly dark and it's extremely nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties. And I think that's that's that that was the mindset at the time. You know, we were all unlike now, which I think I think we were in sunnier times. But in in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties, we had a recession. The firm I was at when I was um, 21, they sacked everybody um, except for me. Uh, and they sacked everybody under about the age of 40, apart from me and the other year out guy. And it was just us and these kind of old people. <laughs> and like, as you can imagine, that was a really sort of, um, it was a, so we were kind of, it's kind of strangely dark time, you know, and there was a disco called Black Celebration and we used to go to goth clubs, even though we were not goths, it was like what everybody did. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of 
it just it's just the aesthetic of the time, I think. Um, but I don't think those books have something in common. I just think I think that's that's the mindset. I mean, you know, remember loads of money. Mm-hmm. This was not a great, this was not our finest hour, really, <laughs> was it? No, it you know, was. Uh, I mean, I, as, as, a, as a northerner, we were like, you know, this yeah. was not. This is this is just rubbish. Yeah, really. Yeah, there was definitely a, a t- I mean, it was at the end of the 70s and the start of the 80s, there felt like there were a few um, distinct creative voices that were were still trying to do stuff. There was like uh, Dennis Potter and um, um, Alan Clark, I guess. And, yes. um But everything else was just like that, that loads of money, um, that very broad kind of grotesque attempt at american entertainment and and it, yeah yeah it, it definitely and we, and, we, and we would kick back against that yeah and i think so i came out of college at this very specific time where i came out of college in 1991 and um went into work into what i thought you know as a northerner i thought i thought i'd landed my dream job mm-hmm. sort of thing and then within six months, everybody was gone. <laughs> and um, we did the refurbishment of Strangeways Prison. Oh, wow. And we worked Canary Wharf. And people used to shoot at our building because they resented it. Mm-hmm. And um, all, all sorts of stuff. And as a kind of 21-year-old, this was a very interesting thing to come into. So uh, from outside. And so... That that was my most influential. I don't think of myself as a punk. And it was when I met Steve. I went to met Steve Niles last year and Monica. And they took me out to dinner and they said, you know, they said, we're we're all punks. And I said, well, I'm that. Um, but just because I'm you know I'm wearing navy blue and it's a conservative haircut or something, don't think that you know do not do not judge me by that <laughs> because that is you know. That would be wrong, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think I sort of I've just basically I basically caught the last the last breath of punk pretty mm-hmm. much, and and I think kicking back against the recession at the beginning of the nineties, the northernness and those of us from the provinces, and you know these really sort of horrible jobless areas like where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, it, it there was there was a certain mindset, and I think. I've run on that ever, pretty much ever since. Mm. And it's done, it's done me really well, I have to say. It's done me really well. Do you, um, do you think that, that that kind of experience is so unique to, to England and to, to Britain? Or is there... Because it, it, it kind of, you know, on the one hand, it is, it is a... I don't, think, I don't think it is. I think it's like, um, what is his name? Christopher Eccleston says, every planet has a north. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think it's like that, where every country has an aspect of this. And I think if you look at comic artists, you see this again. Mm-hmm. And um, you see this in the self-published, like, somebody, say somebody like Emmeria, she's a bit younger than me but not a lot younger. And her background, she, she was an architect, but she was doing self-publishing. And that mindset where you don't have to, you don't have to conform and you can find something that's 
because you do something very personal, it is actually it is actually it actually connects more. Mm-hmm. And I think that that you can find all over the place. Um, but what I found from doing that, so when I, what I found is when I haven't taken something quite so seriously, I've tended to do better. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just sort of popping into comics, I'm just going to do one comic and then go. <laughs> Actually, like that kind of worked a bit. Mm-hmm. It's the, the moment you start getting serious and thinking you've kind of cracked it, you've lost it entirely. Mm. But when I'm sort of like, no, oh, I'm just popping in, um, it that's a, that seemed to be quite a good. Um, I know, I know, it's not like a popular mindset, but it's a good mindset. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just, I just know that if you don't take something too seriously, it tends to work out quite well. Mm. I'm not sure why this is. It works <laughs> well for horror novels. Well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and also, and also, in the world book because they're serious and they're kind of not not serious as well. Yeah. Do you, um, uh, with architecture and, and I mean, you mentioned Strange Ways and Canary Wolf, is there, is there an inherent kind of arcane and um, esoteric language that, that is in, a, in architecture that you feel helps you with, with comic book creation and with, uh, especially with horror stuff? Or, um, or? Not, it's not an arcane language. It, it's, com- it's actually the opposite of that, where it's, um, People think people think with architecture there's some kind of magic trick mm. or rule, <laughs> but actually there isn't. It, it's it's the fact that you've actually just got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, a lot of people say it's quite weird being confronted by a completely blank sheet of paper, and you've just got to go in and you've got to draw something mm-hmm. which is abstract off the top of your head. And yes, that's what you have to do, and then you have to do it now. And um that's what that's the only magic is that you have to actually draw it um and nobody's going to tell you and um that is a lot harder than you might think and people say to me you know say oh i can't do sequential work and i say oh yeah it's a lot of drawing you know so but i can't do this aspect of it and i'm like well you know you can you just have to look at what you're drawing and then draw it mm-hmm. um you know, they sort of think they. I think they think they have to intellectualise it all first, but no, it comes out of the end of your pencil. Um, that's the only and and also the secret magic to architectural course is making it look good. Mm-hmm. Always. <laughs> that that's if there is a bit if there is a big secret, that's the big secret is do what you're told and always make it look good. Mm-hmm. Do you have a do you have an approach that's linear or is, is there more of a, like a get the difficult stuff done and then tidy up as you go or Ooh, uh yeah no um i or yes and no i think is the answer <laughs> uh, i'm just i'm just starting a new issue at the moment just today in fact and um i i have a, I have a kind of i don't draw the book in order i have a certain order of pages that i do mm-hmm. where i do um um the late pages under 10 the end of the book the bit before the end of the book, the early pages, and then the teen pages, and that's mm-hmm. the order I draw the book in. And that's to do with um, warming up to the book and um, and getting some of the stuff 
done early. So, for example, the end never looks rushed. Mm-hmm. So you do the end reasonably early on, but not at the beginning. So, uh, and, and in this book, that that also suits. Um, there is there is possibly I think I might be drawing the most difficult thing. It's not it's not a difficult thing necessarily. In well, I mean I can tell you actually it's going to fall to kids. Uh, and it's not, it, it's not using the pencil. It's hard because, you, because they're real. Mm-hmm. This is not a pencil. And um, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's really, really hard because um, it, we're in India and it, 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 these are some of the most vulnerable people in the world. Mm-hmm. And they're real people. And I mean, I'm not necessarily drawing real people, but I'm drawing people like they, like people exist. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. it's, you have to think about it and you have to, you know, and the, 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 this is, I think they must have one of the highest mortalities in the world. And um, for really clear reasons, you know, where they're just incredibly vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. And in the comic too, that's, that's indicated. And, um, yeah, so I'm doing that one first. I'm doing that one tonight mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm going to do it. I might have to come back to it. Right. So I'm, I'm, it's where I'm making a start. So yeah, it's not. Um, it does. De- it just depends. I mean, some things are easier than others. On the last book, my first two pages were incredibly hard because they were very intricate, mm-hmm. and I did them last because I thought they they were going to throw my timetable. So I, wasn't, I didn't want them to disrupt any other part of the timetable, so I did everything else on time. And then these last two took a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it kind of depends. You can kind you can kind of plan it out. I mean, at the moment, um, yeah. I, I, and, and I'm also, I've got a lot of um, where the pages are more, um, what's the word? Um, decorative. Not not decorative in terms of decorative, but as in they've got lots of lines on, but but they aren't like me- massively meaningful lines. Um, I'll try and get those uh, get those out of the way first as well, while I'm not tired, because doing those when you're tired is just impossible. Mm-hmm. You do those things at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you just you just wouldn't do them. Yeah. What is your uh, schedule normally like? What do you how do you uh, timetable yourself? For- um. Yeah, I um, I'm supposed to do three pages. I was supposed to do four pages a week. I'm doing three pages a week, mm-hmm. and and ideally four. But like, it it's really it, for this book. It's really hard because it it's very dense and it's very it's India, so everything is just crazy busy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's you don't get an, there's no such thing as an empty street. Mm. You know, there's always about twenty people yeah. in the street, any street. And, and car it's always a traffic jam mm-hmm. and um, you know every there's no single dwelling it's always a hundred dwellings <laughs> and um, nothing nothing comes on its own and um, you know you have some people in the street you'll have I don't know half a dozen you know six mopeds and and um, so, you know, a whole load of rubbish and some kind of thing hanging from the roof. And that's just on an ordinary day. So 
it's taking. What I tend to do is um, I'm a bit more. Basically, I split my day up into three bits. Mm-hmm. I have after lunch and after dinner, and then and then um, and I tend to stop it because I get a better chunk after dinner. Um, so I have I, I have oh, what is it? An early an early lunch, an early tea. That's it. So, so it kind of it kind of depends. It all fits later. Then I'm having my lunch at two o'clock and my dinner at nine o'clock, and then going to bed at three o'clock or something, mm-hmm. which happens sometimes. <laughs> Probably happens. I mean, you know, I've, as I said, I'm just starting the book, so I kind of want to push out a few pages, really. Mm-hmm. Do you work analog or are you a digital artist? Yeah, it's it's mostly analog, but I've got um, I've got a technique. Um, for minimising the hassle of that, mm-hmm. so I um, before I start, I scan all my layout. I, I think most people probably do this, but I scan all my layouts into the computer, um, blur them up to page size, do all the panel borders at that point, and then um, print out the whole thing with, with the final panel borders on it. And the layouts, and then just put that on um, on my light box. Put paper over it, mm-hmm. and then uh, um, what I do is I scan in pencils, and I put them behind those those windows I've made, and it's very quick. And there's virtually no cleanup, mm-hmm. and I do that with the inks as well. So it's like so that I'm sort of using a digital technique, but drawing it analog. So yeah, just just drawing down some as quickly is kind of quite quick. Yeah. So I, I can try and minimise my minimise the extra time taken because it's analog. But I mean, the hard thing for me is actually drawing the book, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of dra- I've had a lot of drafting practice, and I draw with I, I don't draw with a huge variety of tools. I just draw, mainly draw with a fountain pen, and the difference between that and digital is not a lot. Mm-hmm. Really, I still have to draw it. Mm. <laughs> um, which is the hard part yeah exactly that's the that's the wh- whatever tool you're using that's the heavy lifting so mm. um it is your your first uh, uh comic story was that the western uh, I, I, the first one i did was for a uk yeah and it was a four-page comic called Small World, mm-hmm. which is the one that um, it's, so I managed to get my first comic published straight off. There was no, I don't think I've drawn any pages that weren't published at all, mm. uh, except I've done, to, actually, until until I got to this Miller World thing where I, there is something I've, I've done that I can't talk about. Um, and I probably won't. I can tell you privately, but like not on your podcast. <laughs> and um, but otherwise, generally everything, every page I've drawn has been um, has been published. So my first comic was this thing, this four page comic, Small World, which was about me losing my job, and it went into solipsistic pop. And then off the back of that, somebody asked me, Nathan Edmondson asked me to draw his graphic novel Genesis, which I did. Mm-hmm. And then Genesis, 
he he um I ran out of script, which was a disaster because I'd taken a sabbatical to draw Genesis and I wanted to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And like I was like it was I can't I can't explain to you what terrible disaster this was when I realized that not only had he not done the rest of the script, but he also didn't know what he was doing. Mm. He didn't know he didn't have a story. And I was horrified that I'd committed to this thing that wasn't necessarily going to work out mm-hmm. and you know cost me a vast amount of money and you know potentially my job and um so when that happened I, I'd been asking for the script for months and all sorts of questions and I'm not got any feedback and then finally I got through to him on the phone which I had failed to do it's it I'd made many attempts I'd failed to do and got through and he was like, yeah, I haven't got to me. And uh, I was like, Ugh. so I was like, I need to find something to fill the gap while he writes me some more scripts. And I don't actually know when that script's going to come in, but apparently it is. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, Rob Williams had shown me some art that he was doing for, for Outlaw Territory when we'd met for some of the reason. And I was like, and he'd mentioned... I think you mentioned the name of his editor and I thought I will ask that editor if they've got any work. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I searched out this, this editor, Michael Woods, and I contacted him and said, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for some short story work, maybe in this anthology you were doing that mm-hmm. I have seen work. For. And he said, uh, no. And then he came back and he said, yes, actually I do. I've got um, a horse, a western with lots of horses. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and he said, "You've got and, you, and you've got four weeks." And I was like, "Oh!" Um, but I thought, well, I can do this, but maybe not quite so quickly. And I said, "Well, give, just give me two months, and I'll do it." Mm-hmm. And I know, obviously, I did it in two months. I mean, I did it in less than that. But um, I'm only as a, as a complete beginner. I managed to get something to work to my terms and. I did the horse thing and it was great. I actually mm-hmm. still sell I sell all sorts of things from stories still. I've been doing ponies really recently, in fact. <laughs> in fact, ponies is this year's thing. Ponies is happening this year. And um must remember. And um so yeah, that was Outlaw Territory, it was published by Image, and it came out first. Mm-hmm. Um but actually I'd been drawing Genesis and this other thing before it. Right. So I did it in my creators. And then when I finished it, I think Nathan had done another couple of pages of script mm-hmm. and then dribbled out the rest of that script over the course of about nine months. Mm-hmm. And in that time, I did, I had to do other things. Yeah. Because uh, it was, it was, I really began to doubt that it was going to come. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just sort of thought, I can't. I'm not going to be unemployed and wait for this person. So I'm unemployed anyway. Yeah. So um, I did some other things. And then finally I got all the script. And then when I got all the script, finally I could finish the comic. And I did. And it took from the beginning to the end of that comic, which was not a very long comic, it took three years for me to get paid. Mm. And it was... Um, not an experience I would wish on anybody, but what it did do was um, was like a crash, no, not crash course, a boot camp in how to produce an image book on your own, mm-hmm. which is 
in the end. And um, and I marketed. I had to figure out how to market it because I wanted to get. That was the only way I was going to get paid. Mm-hmm. So I marketed it, and it did all. It did. It, I think it did all right. It's really hard to tell because there was no book to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came out. And it did okay. And then I thought, I'll do another one, but this time I will learn. And I think what I've learned is there's always another lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get a whole load of things right and you learn a whole load of stuff and then you do something else and there's more things you learn and it never stops it never stops I think um, so but what you can do is you can understand that mm-hmm. and you can be prepared mm-hmm. for that that you know um, you start to build in fail safes I think or and I think really everybody knows that that happens so mm-hmm. they're all expecting to so get used to it <laughs> do you think that um that because of architecture and because of the the experience now in marketing that there is a do, do you find people are, are changing what they're giving you to to work on to kind of use those skills and talents more or, or do you do you find that, um, that you yeah you know it, it's starting to happen um I think kind of, it's really only happening now. The thing is with Winnebago Graveyard, it went on and on and on and on. But because I knew that if I left the book, I would never finish it. Mm -hmm. I was, I was like, I can't do all these other things you're asking me to do till I finish this book. So I turned down Marvel work, Mm -hmm. turned down DC Mm -hmm. work, turned down really interesting work because I was like, I have to finish this thing. So then I, I finished it. And then the moment I finished it, um, things, and you could you could you can express an interest in doing something else. And I was like, I was I said something to this artist, and I was like, Would you like a pinup for your upcoming book? Which I have I'm clearly anticipating a lot. And he said, Actually, I have this other thing. Would you be interested in this? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> Actually. Um and it's quite something else. Um, and that's, that's kind of how that happens where you're, you're having some kind of conversation with something, somebody about something quite small and they say, well, actually maybe this thing. And, and so I think the kind, and also with the illustration as well, the work has started to find me mm-hmm. where I've done a reasonable amount of work for the BBC, for example, yeah. where it's the type of work that I do and, and sort of, also, I've just got I've got something coming out. When is it? In about two weeks' time, with a Haywood Gallery, mm-hmm. where I illustrated the catalogue for Liebel, who is a fifty-something Korean artist who's mm-hmm. a mid-career retrospective, and and I got asked to do that. So, the way I draw and the kind of things I draw, they're fi- they're, they're finding their own market. Mm-hmm. which I think is the answer to your question. Yes, that is happening. And it's kind of quite a good market where mm. it's um, it's some it's an area where people in the world have uses for it. Like the, it's very useful to the BBC because it's, you know, it's, it's likenesses, which mm-hmm. is what they did. And it's explaining concepts. And the architectural stuff is very useful for, for um, presenting ideas and making spaces with another forms of media. Mm-hmm. So for example, 
I did something for the BBC where I did them a poster, but they re as the BBC does, they reuse the poster and they did they redesigned the whole area of their web and they reused the graphic design and they did they made an animation of it and they did all sorts of and they they even had they even set some of it to music which was quite weird <laughs> and uh, but great I was I, I I did find that quite weird though. Um, yeah, and so the work the work has started to find me, and the, the, the options that I have coming up potentially, and you know I don't believe they're happening until they actually happen, but mm. they're all things where also in comics the comics are starting to go in this direction as well, mm-hmm. where um, and this is something I've been working towards that entire time I've been working in comics, which is trying to create an influence where we all realize that it is a good idea that making spaces on one's pages and dealing with setting and place and architecture and design. And I don't mean design in a graphic sense. I mean, design in a, what is, what are you looking at sense? And I think the whole thing is coming towards us where you, you now, you get a demand for that. Mm-hmm. You writers coming in who want to do that. You have writing that is like that and lots of comic artists are doing it now as well. And you get people like um, Donny Cates say, where virtually all of his work is like that. Um, you know, it's, it's got setting, it's got place. It's um, he he. It isn't just entirely based on the characters. It's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And and lots of people do that now. And so it's becoming a thing. And we're all moving in the same direction. And that's great. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where this is going to go, um, but it seems okay at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not looking beyond the end of my current project. <laughs> and the next thing is real, then that's real. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I've, I've been. What's the word? I've had my hopes. What's the, not my hopes dashed, but I think I've learned to temper my expectations a bit mm-hmm. hmm. about um, what people do. Yeah. Do you do you have any interest in writing as well, or are you? I think it's a different it's a different headspace. Um, I mean, I've done a lot, an awful lot of writing in my life. I mean, as an architect, you're kind of technical writer. Mm-hmm. I've done loads, loads of. I mean, and as a manager, I've done loads and loads of that. But I actually think that writing stories is a different headspace, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. um, entirely different. It's 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 a synthesis. Whereas drawing comics is not a synthesis in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of doing a synthesis, I'll know it when I see it. I haven't got one at the moment, but like possibly if I spent more time around writers that I would. But the thing is, I've spent so long writing, I'm not in this massive hurry to get back into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to go away. Um, you know, it, you only stop making things when you're dead. Uh, <laughs> ideally, I've got a bit longer. Um, so, yeah, I'm not rushing to the writing. I, I would expect that when my arm falls off, the writing will happen. Yeah. You know, when I can't draw, I'll write. <laughs> I think. Uh, where In fact, that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, when I can't draw, I'll write. Yeah. That's uh, that's the natural progression when <laughs> when the arms fall off. <laughs> yep. 
Um, where can people find you and your stuff? Where do you do you you have a website and? I do. I update it, but it's it's still a fairly good place. Um, it's Alison Sampson www.alisonsampson all one word with a p in samson.com and that's my website and i'm on facebook my, my my facebook is completely public there's no there's you know there's nothing hidden there so come in and say hi and um you know i don't have private pages or anything mm-hmm. and um i'm on twitter I'm, I'm on twitter a bit less because i think it's it's very easy to miss people and I miss absolutely loads of stuff. So probably maybe that's not the most efficient way of seeing me. If anybody really wants to get hold of me, they should email me. And I love chat. I mean, I'm, I am very chatty. It's just I have to block social media during the day so I can get some work done, mm-hmm. which means that if you really want to talk to me, then emailing me is the best because, you know, happy to talk about all kinds of things. It's just um, I can't spend time looking at random things on twitter because i'll never get anything done um and you know so yeah i'm where else am i i have a think of it i have a project called think of a city which oh, yeah. i which mm-hmm. I, is, is is asleep at the moment i have some art to post on it and then i need to kind of what's the word um ramp it up but at the moment if i'm working till like 4 a.m penciling things and inking things Actually, think of a city as surprisingly time-consuming. Mm. Where um, it's going to be it's, while I'm drawing Hit Girl, at least it's parked because I can't do two things at once. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, and we I hope hopefully it will, it will be back. It might be back a bit sporadically, but I think it's. Somebody said to me that it's a live it's a living art project, mm-hmm. and so. It's always alive. It's alive now. It's a thing we have made that exists. And where that can be found is on Tumblr. And it's www.thinkofacity.tumblr.com. And um, and apart from all of that, you can find me in – I live in London. You can find me in London. <laughs> you can find me at Thought Bubble. You can ideally find me at New York Con, I hope. And um, – yeah, who knows? Who knows where I'll be? I have no idea. Um, I'll be 50 next year, and hopefully I'll be drawing comics. And that's really kind of all I know. I don't really... I think when I, when I kind of left college, I thought, oh, you know, you'll go into this job and you have this job for life, and then you'll retire. And actually what we find is, firstly, you don't have a job for life, and secondly, you don't retire. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's not quite like what you thought and then think actually my life is going to be a bit different than that. And I'm going to do, maybe, maybe I'm going to do several different things. So, you know, it's not a one career life and yeah, don't know where it's going. You know, somebody came along tomorrow and said, would you, I was going to say be a zookeeper, but would you say go off and run a shop or something? I'd probably say yes. You know, why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm the I'm the kind of person who always, you know, I would I would relish that. Mm-hmm. I, I clearly don't like it being too easy. <laughs> well, Alison, thank you so much for for chatting.
Well, thank you for thank you for talking and come to come back come back to Wandsworth. <laughs> no, do you do, do you miss Wandsworth? I have to ask before you go. Um, Is there anything you miss? I yeah, I miss it. I you know it's uh, I'm I know it so well that I miss the ease of like the, I I think there isn't a place in Wandsworth that I can be dropped where I wouldn't know where to go and what to do, which Mm-mm. you know is. It's different when you move to a new country and a new city um, after, God, how long was I there? Like in more than 30 years in that one city. It's it's a real change to move and to, yeah. to find yourself. Like there, there are times when if I have a meeting or if um, I have a project that finishes early and I think, oh, I'm hungry, I should go grab some food and I don't know where to go or what to do or... You know, um, I yeah. never had that in in Wandsworth. Not because it, it was so incredible, but because I knew it's so it's it's been it's it's all gone fancy, you know now. <laughs> I have heard we have a participatory and all sorts of things. Uh, it, it's got it's gone it's gone quite swanky. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you very much for talking to me. And mm-hmm. um, if you if you come back here, then please come and say hello. I will. Yes. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am. <laughs>